Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. We are moving through what I consider to be the 10 gifts of the Eastern churches, the gifts to the church and to the world. These are my particular 10. And we do that from time to time on Light of the East because that's our foundation. That's where everything else springs out of that we present here. And it's also good to review that. So we're going to pick up number five now, the fifth, what I consider to be the gift of the Eastern churches. It's the concept of the human person. In other words, our anthropology. As I mentioned before, our starting point is God's transcendence, but he also is imminent. In other words, he is with us. And when we talk about the human person in relation to God, in the Eastern spirituality, we very much emphasize the starting point as man, the human person, the human race, being made in the image and likeness of God. And this is something that grace perfects. So it's a very positive starting point. We are made basically good. And we just need to be perfected and move beyond sin. It's not like we're automatically defective and we have to be fixed up or made better. The starting point is we are good, but we need to be made more good, more perfect. And this concept is called divinization or theosis. And we hear about that in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, where he talks about how we become partakers of the divine nature, so that becoming perfect, the absolute best versions of ourselves, is not something superhuman, it's, it is something naturally human. To be in the image likeness of God, to grow in sanctity and holiness, is to be a normal or proper human being. That's what the saints were. Okay, number six, monasticism. Monasticism, as St. John Paul II said in his wonderful document, 1995, called Orientale Lumen, which is translated Light of the East. Yeah, you got it. That's where we get the name of this program, from John Paul II's document, Light of the East. And in that document, he says that monasticism is the reference point for all of the baptized. The reference point for all of the baptized. And that's a pretty powerful statement. 
And monasticism is that because monasticism is a radical, we would consider it to be radical. When I say radical, I mean in the sense of being really true, being very rooted. That's what radical means. The word radical comes from radika. The word means to be rooted. Monasticism is a rooted, radical living out of the same baptismal promise, the same call to holiness that all Christians have by virtue of baptism. So that's why it's the reference point for all of the baptized. And it teaches us that life is about a spiritual warfare and that asceticism is needed for that warfare. In other words, saying no to our fallen appetites, our disordered passions, so that we reach a state of what they call apatheia, where we get the word apathy. doesn't mean we don't care. It means we are no longer controlled by out-of-control passions. And as we do that, we grow in holiness. So monasticism, we'll come back to that later on, but monasticism is one of the great, great gifts of the Eastern churches to the Western world. The Western world, yes, it has monasticism, of course, and some of the most famous monks in the world, like Francis and Benedict. But it started in the desert of Egypt in the Eastern churches. All right, number seven, prayer. The kind of prayer that the Eastern churches uses, especially liturgically, is actually the same as theology. We use what's called dogmatic hymnody, where when we pray or chant our worship, we're basically making proclamations of our faith. A theological statement is being made by the way that we pray. We declare who God is, what he is, what he's done, what the truth is about God. And then we go on to ask his mercy and ask for the favors and things that we want from him. And then we conclude once again by proclaiming his glory, proclaiming what he is. And usually that means proclaiming him as Trinity. Evagrius, a famous Byzantine monk, once said that if you're a theologian, you will truly pray. And if you truly pray, you will be a theologian. So in other words, it's coming to know God through prayer, through pure prayer, and to coming to know our faith through prayer. In fact, if you want to know what we really believe in the church, it just goes for East and West. It's a particularly strong point in the East. Look at how we pray. We take our liturgical texts, which are voluminous, and whatever is in there is what we believe. The way we pray is what we believe. So our theology is really what we're chanting. Or when we are praying, we're doing theology. We're doing theology, we're praying. So that's a gift of the Eastern churches to the whole church and to the world, the sense of this integrated prayer and theology. Number eight, contemplation or the sense of the sacred. Contemplative theology basically means to be able to observe in a very keen way God's presence in nature, how he is incarnated in the created order, all of nature, especially the human person. And to meditate on that, to be in the presence of that, to have that transform our inner self, our inner world, our spirituality. And this is why we also have sacred art, sacred chant, sacred space in our churches, because it all brings us into a contemplative sense of God. Sometimes we're asked by people, do your monastics, do your nuns and your monks Do they have orders that are contemplative or apostolic or active? And that question, although a perfectly fine question, in a sense doesn't apply to the Eastern churches because the form of monasticism that we use 
is both and. It is contemplative and active, or contemplative and apostolic all at the same time. Because in order to do anything, you have to first know what you're doing. You have to know the God for whom you're doing these things for. So the contemplation animates the action. So the two go hand in hand. Think of it as Martha and Mary. In fact, in the liturgical text of the Eastern churches, in our prayers, we often refer to Martha and Mary as the two symbols of contemplation and action that are inseparable. They were sisters. They go together. So contemplation, the sense of the sacred, is animating our action, our apostolic work. That's a gift of the Eastern Church. Number nine, liturgy. Liturgy is one of the best ways to come to know the Eastern Church as one of our strongest gifts. And liturgy has a lot to do with, in the Eastern churches, has a lot to do with participation in a transcendent reality. It is in liturgy that we leave behind all that is really earthly, and we enter into something that is heavenly. It's heaven on earth. Another way I could say that is, it's not that we leave this earth because it's bad. Rather, we take the reality to this earth, of this life, and we unite it, immerse it so intimately into the next life, into heaven, that the two basically become one. And in fact, in most Eastern churches, if they're properly done, the ceiling is dominated by a grand icon of Christ, a very powerful, huge, looming figure. It's called Pantocrator, and he's surrounded by angels. And what this is depicting is the heavenly liturgy, the ongoing heavenly liturgy that we enter into by virtue of our liturgy on earth, so that the two really become one. And that's why in the Eastern churches, the churches and the liturgy are very sensate, they're very kinesthetic. They're very experiential. There's something you taste and see and touch and hear and smell. That's why we use the so-called smells and bells (laughs) and lots of icons and lots of chant. The five senses, we believe, were created by God so that we could experience God through those senses in all these ways by smelling God, you know, the fragrant incense, the touch of God, kissing an icon, touching the Eucharist, taking God in to our bodies taking God in through our ears, our eyes, our nose, our hands. So liturgy is very, very participatory, and therefore it is very transformative. We come to liturgy to offer up everything, to leave behind what is not good, and to offer everything up to God in praise and thanksgiving. In the process, we transform ourselves. We are transformed by liturgy. The final and tenth gift, the presentation, the adherence, the observation, the emphasis, I can't think of enough words to describe it, of God as Trinity. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this makes all the difference in the world in so many, many things, in so many ways we believe in God, how God works, the meaning of nature, the whole divine economy, the whole order of creation, the human person, everything, everything depends upon our understanding and our observance, our celebration of God who is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a union and communion of persons, yet one God. This gives a model for us of our relational lives, of our desires for love, for intimacy. It's a guide for marriage. It's a guide for the whole order of creation, for our relationship to everything, how to behave, how to be moral. Everything can be understood in light of God is Trinity. And God is Trinity 
is the one thing above all else that separates the Catholic Orthodox beliefs from all other beliefs. Only we believe in a God who is three distinct equal persons, yet one God. There are many gifts of the Eastern churches, but these are what I consider to be the top 10 gifts, at least what I consider to be. You may have your own, and that's great. Thank you for listening to our 10 gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loyup and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to our new email address, infotaborlife at gmail.com. That's infotaborlife at gmail.com. To help support Tabor Life's ministry, go to taborlife.org and click on the Donate tab. Tabor Life is a 5013C charitable organization. You're, you're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road. Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyer, your host. We're looking at the venerable place of the cantors in the Eastern churches. They lead the chant, not to dominate, not to be soloists, though sometimes they do have to sing and chant something by themselves because it's very complex and very special. Chants that aren't used that often throughout the year, only on special occasions. But as they lead the people, their main purpose is to help the people to lead the chant themselves. In other words, to participate. The cantor is there as a support, a leader and a support. He's not there as a featured singer. And in order to be a cantor, as I mentioned, there has to be certain qualifications. 
which used to be the qualifications or requirements to be ordained as a cantor. Now, nowadays, it's very difficult to it's oftentimes very difficult to find cantors or people that want to step up and assume that responsibility because it's a very weighty position. You have to be prepared. You have to be consistent. You have to be reliable. You have to learn. You have to have musical ability. You have to know the theology. You have to know the services and the music and a little bit how to actually do the chant, especially when it comes to, as I mentioned before, the readings. In addition to the actual chant of the services. Many cantors in Eastern churches, certainly in my church, have to also know popular hymns, spiritual songs that developed basically over time in the different churches, and they tended to develop in a local manner. Eventually, they were codified, they put into hymn books, and those hymn books have been passed down to us to this day. Now, these hymn books were starting to be put together as far back as, uh, well, a couple centuries ago. The most noted one for my particular church was put out actually in the early part of the 1900s. And what they did prior to that was they would actually pass these hymns down largely by ear. And they began to collect them because they didn't want them to be lost and they wanted others to learn them so they were sung consistently because they would vary from parish to parish, from region to region. So eventually they tried to collect them and they have been passed down to us, although many have been lost. Here's an example of one of these hymns, the spiritual songs from my church, from the Carpathian chant. And this hymn is called Bohorodzo Divo in the Slavonic, which means Mother of God. It is basically the Ave Maria. It's the Slavic form of the Ave Maria, or at least the form in my particular church. And here is an example sung by the choir of Annunciation Parish in Homer Glen, Illinois, the spiritual song to the Mother of God.
as you can hear in the spiritual songs of certainly of my church, which this last one was an example, you can hear a certain heartfelt dimension. These songs, these spiritual songs, developed out of the love of the fervor of the people in villages, and they would develop these songs largely for times when they were not in church. In church, they knew they had a codified ancient chant, but they wanted more, especially when, for instance, they would go on pilgrimages or make retreats or just be working in the fields or walking to church or whatever. They would sing songs, holy songs, spiritual songs. And so you can actually hear in a lot of these spiritual songs the, the heart, you know, the, the humility, the sincerity, almost like kind of a, a sweetness. They kind of move you at the heart. In contrast, the chant of the church, the liturgical chant used in the actual liturgies, yes, it can move you from the heart, but it also moves you very deep in the soul because it oftentimes has that character of a very, very, well, I guess I would just call it a very spiritual sound. Listen to this chant, and again, these are the chants that our cantors have to know, some a little more complex than the spiritual songs. These chants are led by the cantors of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, and they are from the service of St. Andrew of Crete. Hopefully you can get some idea from this chant of St. Andrew Crete how certain melodies can be very, very spiritual, very haunting in their beauty and their solemnity, but oftentimes very difficult. And that's why the cantor has to be very qualified. I want to send out a special thank you as a priest, as a pastor, to the cantors of my particular parish and Annunciation, and to all of you who are cantors or seeking or trying to be to aspire to that lofty and venerable position. And let's pray for all of our cantors as we thank them for their fine service to our Eastern churches. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media.
EWTN, helping people grow in their love and understanding of God. Hey, listen, I want to tell you also, you guys are phenomenal. The opportunity to say these things on the air is filling the, the vacuum out there with very, very positive thoughts and ideas. I'm, I'm just thrilled that you guys do what you do. just want to say how wonderful it is to listen to you guys. You've taught me that life needs to be much more intentional. I want to thank you for your ministry. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.